0: Welcome to the Make It A Great Day Movement. We are here in support of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. We are here to make suicide a thing of the past, and we call this little gallery, the Suicide Prevention Show. Why? Because we're going to show you that suicide is not something to avoid talking about. We're gonna show you multiple pathways out of any place that does not feel good, any place that might be dark. Why? Because if you know there's a path out, you will not get to a point where you think the only way out is to take your own life. See, we know suicide occurs in isolation. We know that suicide occurs when that's the best option you can see at the time. Our whole goal, make sure you know there are other options so here's the deal our next speaker he's gonna be up here in just a second I'm moving my picture out of the way is Scott Conway he's a martial arts Grandmaster we're gonna be talking about this whole concept on falling and getting back up but I'll tell you the reason why I invited Scott to come and speak one he's one of those people who writes more than I do so I want to find out some of his secrets and the other is that he's one of the most gentle souls. And I didn't expect that in someone who practices as many different martial arts as he does. So without further ado, hey, Scott, let me see if I can find you. I know you're in here somewhere. So I've got you unmuted. No, I can't either. You're going to have to turn on your video. You're going to have to turn on your, kit, your microphone. There you are. Oof. Oof. It is magic, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, and imagine this. If it hasn't been all that long ago, this wouldn't have been possible. We'd have had to be taken on airplanes and going to different places.
1: Yep, and I can't tell you how excited I am to get to join you for something in support of suicide prevention. This is magnificent for me.
0: <laughs> ah, well, now you got to explain that. All right. So tell me why.
1: Well, a big part of it, and and you and I have talked before, so you know that one of my books is specifically geared toward um, what I call warrior pain. And that is when our strongest are faced with their darkest moments. And, and I have actually some interesting recent insight just this year, uh, post finishing the book that has really struck me about that whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so, tell
0: me more. Because wait, first, what's the name of this book that we're talking about?
1: Uh, okay, well, the name of the book is called Warrior Pain. Okay. And uh, it's available on Amazon if you search Warrior Pain and then put my name and it. it's spelled correctly, Scott with one T then uh, you you can find that, and that is available there. But the the biggest curious insight I had came in January. Um, I am brand new to kind of the marketing world and this whole information space. And I was on this cruise in January with all of these marketers. And for the first time, I'm at one of these events looking at okay. How do I do this? How does this world work? And I had this fear, this intense terror. Now, I'm a martial arts grandmaster. I've been doing martial arts since 1971. I'm a lawyer, so I, I walk in front of judges in court and I deal with like high stakes negotiations. And, and yet here I am, I'm on a cruise. It's like a half social, half business event. And I have this like heart racing fear. And part of what I realized it was is because I'm a ninth degree black belt, it's been a long time since I've been a white belt who has no idea what he's doing. And I realized part of what it was, it was the contrast between always being the master and suddenly being the novice who has no clue. And it struck me that sometimes that's been the problem with some of our strongest is that we get so accustomed to being on top of things. We get so accustomed to being the strong one, the tough one. Mm-hmm. And, and especially when we're talking about our combat veterans where we've been under fire. We've literally had bullets whizzing by our head. But the difference is like, well, we were trained for that. We knew exactly what to do. There's rules of engagement. There's this whole process. We know what to do. We've got the, the team and the team knows what to do. But then sometimes we hit these dark moments and we feel like if I can take bullets whizzing by my head, why does this hurt so much? Mm. And it's because we're, we're not accustomed to being under that kind of pressure and feeling those emotions in that way. And it's the contrast that makes it that much more stark. And, and that was just you know my own experience recently in something as silly to be afraid of as moving into a new business role. I mean, the, what's the big deal? I walk in the middle of 12 people ready to explode into violence. My heart rate doesn't even go up. I'm on a cruise scared half out of my mind. What the heck is that, right?
0: Since that's where we met. Yeah, you know, it explains a lot. I had no clue because you were really a fish out of water, even though we were on the water.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> All right. So how'd you get over that?
1: Uh, well, uh, just keep moving forward step by step and learning the next thing to do and learning the next thing to do and, and just, yeah, and, and it's, it's the same way combat veterans are trained is because when when it hits the fan and nothing's going the way it's supposed to go and you have mass chaos, the only thing you focus on is what is my next action? Okay, so battle
0: drills. I'm a a military brat. I'm a soldier's daughter. So so battle drills so that you don't have the, you have something that your body is still going to do even
1: if things have gone to crap. Yep. Yeah. And, and then that way, all you have to do is, okay, what's the next thing? And then what's the next thing after that? So you're not having to stop and figure out like, okay, well, what are the next 47 things I have to figure out and know before I can take one step? Well, you, you, you just do something, do something, do anything. And, and even a wrong thing, A, you might get lucky. And, and B, at least you're in motion and you can fix wrong. You can't fix frozen.
0: Ooh, I like that. I like that because, you know, the explosive action, massive action, this is mm-hmm. what many people are being told you need to be doing. And yet that one piece that says, but wait a minute, you just gave me 47 things. <laughs> you know, and And so we we hunger for the complexity, I think, sometimes. We want to go learn it all and, yeah, and have all of the pieces and know what all the pieces are. The reality is that creates
1: confusion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I can tell you as a martial arts master that has been training lots of people for the last three decades plus, is if I tell you, like, OK, if someone throws a punch, here's the 27 things you can do. Well, then what's going to happen? Someone's going to throw a punch. And you're going to stand there and get hit, which wasn't one of the 27 things.
0: <laughs> yeah, really? Okay. But
1: if, if I just, the, the smaller the list is, the easier it is to make a choice. And the same thing I tell my students, well, a, a simpler thing is, you know, there's a move, you know, the bad guy's in front of you. Okay. So whatever it is, it's got to go forward. And I said, well, just, guess. Let's
0: just and eliminate it, all of those yeah, other moves.
1: Yeah. And if uh, they throw a punch and said, nope, not that one. And Oh, well, I only have one other hand, so it has to be the other hand. Or if I tell them, it's like, nope, it's not a hand. Now, it, it is amazing how long people stand there and think, okay, wait, it's not a hand. I'm in a punching, kicking art, but it's not my hand. Oh, my gosh. And they'll stand there and think, okay, it's not a hand, so it is a and they go, foot, foot. It's a foot, like it's a revelation, but that's the way our brain works. It's, it really is amazing. Because, and and it happens to me too, I've been doing this for, what what am I at now, 49 years. (laughs) It still amazes me how often, every once in a while the brain just gets stuck and goes, huh, I don't know. Okay, well, there's only four possibilities. Yeah, but I don't know which one it is. Like, well, pick one, and if it's not that one, it's one of the other three, and pick one again, and if it's not that one, it's one of the other two and the pick one, it was not that one, guess what? It's the last one and you've got it. You've made a maximum of four tries.
0: I love that. You said something that caught me and I'm going, wait a minute, what did he say? And it was this thing about having fewer choices.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Having fewer choices is God saving. I mean, it's a, it's a true guiding light. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. place to be as long as you're in a place of feeling like you have control over the choices. Mm -hmm. And that's been the hallmark of my experience is that it's when we think we don't have another choice that we run into trouble.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So when someone is coming to you and going, okay, this is the only thing I can do, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them?
1: Well, very often I'll ask them like, so are you sure if you did something different, what would happen?
0: Mm.
1: And I'll just ask them, so, well, well, then this and this and this would happen. It's like, oh, so it's a choice, but it's a choice that you take off of your menu of options because of all those things you just listed. Yeah. But, but what what if all those things that would happen were okay with you? Could you choose that? And and then someone go, well, yeah, but I'm not okay with it. It's like, but if you were, you could. Are there any other choices that the only reason you're not choosing them is because you don't think you're okay with what you think will happen if you choose them.
0: That. Mm. Yeah, that's a really powerful question. Is there any other choice that you're not taking because you don't think you would be okay with what would happen in the future?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, there's a lot there for me to unpack because one, the future's not done yet. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. So it's a, sort of an imagination place. Mm-hmm. But the other is, is it so far out in the future that what would happen in the present? Yeah, you, know, you would have time to course correct. Mm-hmm. You'd have time to influence it a little more. Um, yeah. And what's going to happen if you don't take another choice? You know, if you're so miserable with the only choice you see,
1: then you're setting yourself mm-hmm. up to be miserable. Yeah, the the I have to, but I can't paradox. That that double bind is crazy making. Ooh,
0: I have to, but I can't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh boy. Okay. So we went into language earlier today. <laughs> so I can't. And that you know, I have to, but I can not figure out how. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, well- yeah, because there's, there's tons of places where people say, well, I have to do this, but I can't do this. But I have to, but I can't. Mm-hmm. And you know, and anytime time, if you double bind yourself, there's always a way out. I mean, I, personally, I love it when I double bind myself because I'm the one who did it, I can undid it. But uh, now every once in a while, though, honestly, we get double bound by forces outside of us. And what, when that happens, and sometimes we need to take an extra step back. and we we need to take a look
0: (laughs) I'm sorry for anybody listening on the podcast what you missed was Scott took a step back totally forgetting he was tethered to his computer (laughs) by his earphones so that was a great recovery
1: (laughs) yeah yeah, if I'd gone back six more inches we wouldn't be talking right now I'd be scrambling to find (laughs) to restore my sound
0: (laughs) there we go um The, the uh, unintended consequences. So the, the whole conversation, how many books have you written?
1: Um, uh, published books, I'm at 44. And I have three more books that will, should be out by the 4th of July.
0: Yeah, see, I, I was feeling all loud and proud earlier because I got the title for my next book and the one before oh. it'll be published this summer. And I'm like thinking I'm all hot you know, and then I met you and I'm going, oh my goodness, I am just baby stepping this. Yeah. So for anyone who wants to know about contrast, if you want to know what's possible, you look at Scott. If you want to know what's probable, you can look at the pace that I'm going through. And if you want to know what's true for you is let's just make a decision that you're gonna publish because you can do this now in any way you want to and the world needs positive voices. I mean, the world just needs positive voices. And so when it comes to this, what do you think the world needs next, Mr. Scott? Because I know you're working
1: on something. Uh, Well, the the big thing I'm working on is uh, bringing Ohana uh, to the world more. Um, And ohana, for those who don't know, is a Hawaiian word that means family. For those who think like, well, that sounds kind of familiar. Where have I heard that? You have probably heard it said in Lilo and Stitch. Uh Uh-huh, that's
0: where I heard it.
1: Yep, that ohana means family and family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. And that's a pretty good definition. It's a good enough definition that I don't fight it and it's in my book. And, And so I use that as a starting point.
0: There we go, let's just start from there. All right, so we're gonna back up a step because L- Miss Lachelle, who I was interviewing a few minutes ago, she said, what's the secret to accomplishing those books?
1: Okay, so uh, ready for a little bit of book coaching. And, and, uh-huh. and when, you, you, Listen when you, you do your book writing this way, then you get craziness like you accidentally write books. So, so if you if you go looking in in my recent books, two of them that came out recently is Quest Xeon Christianity volumes one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an accident. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be just one, ah. but they ended up with two, and so that's that's kind of the running joke of of you accidentally writing books.
0: You had twins, okay? How do you accidentally write two books?
1: And. The way it works is you just get a loose outline, more of an idea of where you're going, and you just start writing. The the way my first coach coached me in writing a book, he says, don't even figure out your chapters yet. Just get a loose outline of kind of where you're going, and it's totally okay if you ramble. Just write until you think you've kind of put down the idea. Okay. However many pages that is. Then you go back through your own sections and you start to separate it out and you see what kind of natural divisions it wants to make. Uh Now, sometimes it's obvious that you went from one topic to a different topic and that's clearly a shift. Sometimes you realize like, oh, well, I've got like the 12 pages of manuscript, which a book size is going to be like a 25 page chapter. Okay. That, that's going to be too much. That's going to, going to be something. I need to chop in half and you'll, sort through it and you figure, okay, so what can go one way? What can go the other way? And when you, you start to let it self-organize and you also see, okay, where are the gaps? And like, Oh, okay, so I've got this block here and I, I need something to bridge over to this part. And then you start filling in where your gaps are. Okay. And then you expand on certain pieces and elements and you just go. And kind of like I said earlier is you can fix wrong but you can't fix frozen. If I'm sitting in front of my computer and I've got a doc file open and I've typed nothing, there's nothing to work with. If I type a bunch of junk and I can't use any of it, (coughs) at least I have something to work with. And the ideas I can't use often then become the platform for the ideas I can use. Because even when I'm reading, like, I have had things where I've had this 10-page chunk and going, yeah, I can't use any of that. But then I look at it and say, okay, why can't I use this? Well, it just does this and this and this. Like, so how would you make it better? It's like, well, it needs, a, okay, well, good. Now start over, because now your brain already did a brain dump. You got to look at it. You even realize, okay, that's no good. How do I make it good?
0: Ah.
1: And if I had never written the throw away pages to begin with, my brain wouldn't have a platform to then level it up to the thing I can use. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. So there you go. The
0: short answer is right. And then course correct. Just start with the broad strokes. I loved that idea. What's the general idea? of what you're doing and i'm going to be bluntly honest it's the opposite of the way that i do it people Uh, so so maybe you really can't do this wrong that's sort of my thinking in the world is that you cannot do the any you can't do your life wrong so you can't do your writing wrong but yeah Mm -hmm. i like that i i'm a big fan of process even if i don't use them Um, i'm just a big fan because it helps you organize your brain Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm just really super excited because your project that you're working on, and I did just put the post for the, um, actually, I'm getting it right now. Sorry, I was in the middle of that when you, when you were like saying something I wanted to comment on. Mm-hmm. So that happened. So let me get this. What is this about the culture of community? because the Ohana way is we're all family and you have expanded that out dramatically.
1: Oh, yes. The the Ohana way, shaping the culture community, and it just begins with this uh, Hawaiian ideal Mm -hmm. of family and and the fairly obvious idea, and that is we don't have to be related to be related. And so, (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, e- Even when I was growing up, my mother built Ohana kind of on our street. And so it wasn't uh, Maureen's mom. It-, it was Aunt Lisa, Aunt ah. Jordan, Uncle Bruce, Uncle Mike. And all of the kids were treated like cousins. And so we, ha- we had family rules. And even when I was older, it's still family rules at the house. Like you get to be a guest once and we treat you like a guest. The second time, you're there as a friend. The third time, you're family. You know the rules. Just, <laughs> just, and, you, and you just go do stuff. And so we, get, we give you two, two times to get used to the Conway house. And now you're family. And that's just kind of the, the way we roll on that. And Ohana, besides the basics of the idea of family and no one gets left behind and no one gets forgotten, we also talk about hero, villain, victim. The hero is the one who makes it better. The villain is the one who makes it worse. And the victim is the one for whom it is made worse. Oh, Okay, and, say
0: that again, because that was a way I've never heard that expressed before.
1: Okay, so uh, hero, villain, victim. and And so this is just a framework when I'm troubleshooting. The hero is the one who makes it better. Okay. The villain is the one who makes it worse.
0: Okay. And
1: then the victim is the one for whom it is made worse.
0: Got it.
1: Okay. And say for, for you and I, for instance, if we had a problem mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and let's say that you did something I didn't like, or actually let's even move further. I think you did something that I didn't like and you may have no idea because you didn't actually do it, but someone told me, well, Jackie did it and they might even have been truthful. They were just talking about a different Jackie.
0: Oh. Yeah, and so,
1: so now I'm mad at you. And I can have a talk about how you're bad and how you're wrong. Well, ultimately, if there's a problem, do I want you to help me make it worse or do I want you to help me make it better?
0: Hmm.
1: I want you to help me make it better. That so means an I...
0: invitation to be a hero.
1: Yep. And so my ultimate goal is to recruit you as heroes. Why would I open the whole conversation with the you're a villain, you're a villain, you're a villain? Because A, I'm not solving the problem, but B, I am actively working to convince both of us that you are the opposite of what I'm actually trying to get you to be.
0: Okay, so good. I'm glad I'm not confused you know, because I'm confused. I'm confused because that's confusing.
1: It is. It's exactly backwards. And how often do we as human beings do stuff exactly backwards?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. So I get accused of uh, asking for what I don't want. We call it complaining in my household. <laughs> yeah. um, so if you're complaining, you're actively mm-hmm. asking for what you don't want. and And that's what it sounds like. If I'm complaining or angry and I'm talking to you about, you, you somebody done me wrong song mm-hmm. kind of refrain. I'm not asking you to make it better. I'm just accusing you of making it worse.
1: Yep, and, and here's a big thing. People say, but, but if, if Jackie really did something wrong, then isn't she the villain? Say, well, no, I love Jackie and I want her on my side. We are partners. The villain is the problem. And she and I are going to gang up against this villain. It's me and Jackie versus the problem. And when we team up, that problem stands no chance.
0: Got it. You know, that's a wonderful way of looking at it. So a a pause button that says, if I think someone did me wrong, what's the problem? I now want them to help me solve. Mm -hmm. There we go. I can do that we're going to circle back around because this is a really good conversation. So I want to let people know, yeah, I'm not ignoring the chat. I know we got questions there, but I want to stick on this conversation for just a minute. So moving into this space where you understand that the person who makes it better is the hero, person who makes Mm -hmm. it worse is the villain, and the person who it has gotten worse for is the victim. This makes it very objective. You get to not guess who you are in the story. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, now there's always a person who accidentally makes it worse. But you know, yeah. Yeah, so would you tell me about that? Cuz that's well, well, how I've been known to accidentally make things <laughs> worse.
1: Well, and I always assume people are unintentional about making it worse. Um <clears throat> I, I
0: like that. I just always assume people are unintentional.
1: Mhm. <laughs> and and that it's not the person who made it worse, it's the problem that makes it worse. Got it. Now, the problem may have gotten to me through you, Mm -hmm. but you're not the villain. The problem is the villain. And and here's part of how you can tell. What if I had that exact same problem, but with a different person?
0: Oh. You'd have the same problem.
1: I'd have the same problem. What if I have you, but we don't have the problem?
0: That's a possibility,
1: I could yep. do that. So therefore, doesn't that b- tell us that, well, then the problem's the villain, because no matter how the problem got to me, I wouldn't want the problem. There we you go. can't be the villain, because if we didn't have the problem, nothing would be worse.
0: All right, so before we go into anything else, I just wanna <laughs> make sure that that's clear for everybody listening that this makes sense to you all because I think this is like a foundational relationship skill. When you can sort out the problem from the people. Yeah, so I think that that's really important. So, (laughs) yeah, so there you go. Um, And so they could not see that, but I will answer it. Mm -hmm. So your job is to not chat because the chat in Zoom webinar is different so just so you all know, Scott answered the question, but nobody can see it. If the answer to the question, and Paula, this is your question, you, the, and for everybody's benefit. The question was, do you take your notes in digital format or in manual format? And of course, then I'd go digital. Are you recording it with your voice or are you typing it? Scott's answer covered it all. His answer was yes, <laughs> digital or manual, either and both. So back to you can't do it wrong, people. So we'll come back to the profound because I'm delighted that the conversation is serving you all. If you can't do it wrong, maybe we could project that out and intentionally project onto other people that they didn't do it wrong either. Mm -hmm. And then we can just say, what's this problem that I don't want? So let's fix it. And we take all the personality out of it. It's yeah, a very because, perspective.
1: Yeah, and, and that's fundamental of Ohana, because if, ah. if you and I are having a challenge mm. and I'm Ohana, I'm family, how do I want you to come to me? Do I want you to ascribe negative motives to me? Or do I want you to assume you're my Ohana, you're family, of course I love you. Of course I wouldn't hurt you on purpose. I'm not sitting here and going, hmm how can I really mess up Jackie today? I mean, I'm mean, i not doing that. Now, I may end up doing something that really messes up Jackie today. I mean, like, like what, what if I had my times all wrong and I didn't make the conversion on time zones and, and it's time for me to start and you can't find me and Katie can't find me? Well, that I kind of mess things up for you a bit. But I would trust that you know my heart that, okay, I don't know what happened to Scott. I know he's not doing this on purpose. Maybe he's having a tech problem. Maybe he's having a time problem. Maybe his internet crashed. I don't know. But you're not going to assume that I I sat around going, I've got a scheme to mess up Jackie. I hope this really annoys her. So that's how I'd want people to come to me. So I mean, golden rule 101 says, well, then therefore if someone's your Ohana, if just trusting in people's humanity, I'm going to come to you the way I would want you to come to me. So when Ohana's hard, Scott. And it does get moments, hard sometimes.
0: There are moments when Ohana's hard. And I didn't realize how hard it would be until I was working on something that I called the Four Truth Path out of Should Belt. And my four truths were no money I've ever spent was wasted, no time I've ever spent was lost, no word I've ever read was useless, and no person I've ever met was evil. And I got pushback from two different groups. The first group that gave me pushback was the positive psychology world that allowed me to remember my own training, that the word no, is not heard in the subconscious mind. So basically Mm -hmm. I was reinforcing what I wanted to tame in my elephants. The other people who pushed me back, pushed back on me in a big way, were the people who absolutely knew in their bones that they had met people who were evil. And so I rewrote, and it became the Four Truth Path out of Shouldville. And it's totally, reframed but it struck me as what if ohana includes someone who by the definition i was given had evil as far as their actions their intent it was intentional action of harm what do you do when Ohana's is hard
1: well specifically down the chain and, and this is part of a process called an ohana conversation where it begins with a request the training boundary and enforcement boundary and then the fourth category is change relationship mm-hmm. and then in there there's like four levels and the la- bottom one is to end the relationship
0: got it okay. but you're,
1: you're ending a relationship based upon behavior mm-hmm. and choices now when it comes to evil you know, I've worked in the jail system. I have sat down with people who have willfully hurt people and are glad they did and will, will do it again if we let them out. And we're perfectly blunt with me. It's like if I get out of here, I'm going to do, and they give me a list. So I've, I've seen evil. I've sat down across the table and looked evil in the eye and had evil flat out tell me that they're glad they did it and they would do it again and they will do it again. And sometimes you're related to somebody like that. So, so they're like, you know, by blood and, and or marriage, they're, they're literally Ohana. And you have to craft whatever relationship you have to take that reality into account.
0: Okay,
1: And this applies at at scale because anyone who has a behavior they claim, whether it's a subtle behavior or an objectively evil behavior, Mm -hmm. the problem is the behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, what I will say about even the most evil person I have ever met is everyone has good in them. And a curious thing I've run into is even the most evil people still see themselves in some way as either a good guy or really not that bad.
0: Okay, yes, I will, I will grant you that the self-opinion is not the same as mm-hmm. the person who was
1: on the receiving end of them making life worse. Mm-hmm, because you know, they have their excuses and any excuse is a claim to permission. And so, if I make an excuse for literally anything, it's a claim to permission. And say, for instance, if I'm, I'm teaching a seminar in San Diego, mm-hmm. and I tell you, well, we got a snowstorm in Chicago and they canceled all the flights. I couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I made my excuse. I'm snowed in in Chicago does that give me permission to not be in San Diego the next day? Mm, no. Well, I, I think most people would say, well, yeah, how you, you can't get from Chicago to San Diego overnight. But on the other hand, if I said like, well, I got stuck in Los Angeles because they canceled my flight. So I can't make it tomorrow. You go, okay, you're two hours away. And okay, there's like 12 yeah. ways to get here. So you, so you can make it a, claim to permission to not be on a canceled flight, but you can't make a claim to permission that you can't make a two-hour drive in 24 hours. I mean, the the only thing that I probably couldn't do is walk in 24 hours, but there's buses and there's trains and there's, you know, other flights and rental cars. and, And I could call San Diego and someone could drive up, pick me up and take me down there. I mean, there's so many ways to accomplish it. And so when someone makes an excuse for why they did an act, they're saying, well, I should have permission for that behavior because of. And then closely related that is what I call the justification, which means that, well, I'm right for having done it. So to make a just because of, and then they have the because of. And then closely related is a rationalization, which means, well, what I did makes sense or is rational because of. And so you have rationalizations, justifications and excuses, and that's kind of how I define them so that we can kind of understand what we're doing. And if, if we get that, then we can begin to see what we're doing. It's like, am I trying to make it sound like I'm actually doing the right thing? That's a justification or the logical thing. That's a rationalization. Am I claiming that I should be excused, the claim to permission from an excuse? and listening to that when other people do it. Now, what I will also call an excuse, rationalization and justification is it's claiming the behavior. And okay. so when I'm, it's claiming the behavior. Oh. And part of the claiming of the behavior is if, <clears throat> if I tell you I get snowed in into Chicago, and that's my excuse for not being in San Diego, that. I'm telling you, anytime I get snowed in in Chicago, don't expect me in San Diego. Now, if, say for instance, so we take that example and I use some other excuse, like, Well, because of this thing that happened to me in the past, that's why I did this thing to you in the present. Mm -hmm. The question I would always follow up is like, so are you telling me that since your past won't change, that I should always expect this behavior? Because if I should always expect this behavior, then that means we need to like alter the dynamics of this relationship. Because that behavior is not acceptable to me.
0: You know, it would certainly clean up a lot of static in a relationship to have that kind of clear conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, this expectation of it's based on the past, the past can't change. so. I would rationally expect you to always do this. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm in trouble. Okay, <laughs> You're, the key to change is awareness. So now mm-hmm. that you are bringing this to light, I'm realizing that this uncomfortable awareness is coming up for me. Uh, <laughs> anybody else feel squirmy, you don't have to put that in the chat. So um, the value of this conversation, Scott, is the perspective that you bring to it, the idea that we're not, that we are not victims as in that's who we are, but we may be the victim in this particular story, in this Mm -hmm. particular way because of this particular result. And it's just, this is the story. And then if somebody tells us that we can expect them to continue to make this particular problem worse, Mm -hmm. we can then stop arguing with reality, start accepting the who they are and the how they are in the relationship, how it is, and adjust. Mm -hmm. But without those twins, the awareness and the acceptance, without those, we can really get stuck Mm
1: -hmm. in a
0: role and think we don't have a choice. That's
1: amazing. I like it. Yep, and I'll tell you two traps we have is when we lock ourselves into this idea that we have no choice, mm. and then the other trap we run into sometimes is this idea we have too many choices. Either one of which is a a psychological trick our brain plays on us to keep us frozen. Aha. Uh-huh. And I like. It. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and. So long as we recognize, regardless of which side we're doing, is the moment we feel frozen and the moment we feel locked in, that is our warning that, okay, my brain is playing a trick on me.
0: Oh, oh, you mean it's not the other person?
1: Nope, it's my brain playing a trick on me. Uh Because the moment I think I have no options, chances are... I'm just not seeing something because my brain is conditioned to not see the options. I don't want to take responsibility for
0: Okay, whoa, 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 say that one again. It
1: says my brain is conditioned to not see the options. I do not want to take responsibility for
0: Oh, give us an example, Scott.
1: Okay. <clears throat> well, at, well, I'll use a financial one um, since, since so many of us are struggling with some of the, the stuff during COVID. So if I look at my business and go, well, well, I can't do this because of that. And it could be any of this and, and any of that, but I, I'll use me in particular. So if I'm trying to launch um, a business around the power of Ohana, and in the last two or three weeks, man, have I seen the need for it, but it'd be easy for me to sit around and go, yeah, but you know, I've never done that before. I don't know how to do that. How is that going to work? There's no way. I can't do that. I don't know how. I've never done this before. Everyone who's ever worked with me in the past, except for, for Virginia, has always been big on promises and zero delivery. And, 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 and I tell all of these stories about why I can't do it, why it won't work. hmm what i'm actually you know saying that version of the story is there's so many options and these work for everybody else but but none of them work for me and then i end up being stuck but ultimately what is my brain trying to do it's not taking responsibility for making a choice to try something see what the outcome is adjust as i go try something different and if my brain didn't have a metaphor it uses to process that, how easy it would be to get stuck because I could go, oh, well, you know, I've got all of these genius people in my orbit Hmm. and I could go, it's like, oh, well, do I need to do it Iman's way? Do I need to do it Jay's way? Do I need to do it Alina's way? Do I need to do it Virginia's way? And and you could get like this, okay, well, I need to like go learn all of these for the next 10 years and then I can make a choice. Yeah. I said, well, no, it's, it's, I can just try something. But I have a martial arts metaphor.
0: Okay. Because
1: when something's happening to me, and I'll, I'll use jujitsu as an example because it tends to unfold more slowly. If someone's on top of me in the beginning to get a choke and you're oh, like, that's it, I'm just choked. I have, Well, I have a ton of opportunity. But if I just want to blame them for choking me, then I just let them, like, fine, there's nothing I can do and I'll, I'll tap out and hope they let go. But, but if instead I'm going, okay, well, you know, how many escapes do I have from this move? How many ways do I have to adjust the position? And it may begin with like, I don't know, I can't see anything from here, but if I have an instructor off to the side and you know, I like, can you see anything from there? I could, I could even ask my training partner, like, what am I supposed to do from here? And, you know, get some ideas, get some coaching. I can even just try a bunch of random things and who knows, you could get lucky. And one of the funniest self-defense things that I I heard of is this white belt in uh, one of my friend's studios had a bully like in his face and he did what's called a one-step start where you you step back and it's a low block and you step in and it's a high punch. It's meant as a setup for a drill because I mean, you're literally stepping back and showing the person, okay, this is the hand I'm going to punch with and here it comes. Well, as it worked out, this bully, when he stepped back is going, what the heck, what are you doing? And then stepped in and punched him, bam, punched him in the nose. And the bully was taken back so much by surprise that his victim would even do anything. He literally got punched in the nose by a punch he saw coming from five feet away. <laughs> so sometimes you can do something that's completely inappropriate to what you would think the circumstances are, and it works. Because he knew well, if I do nothing, I get beat up. If I do something, I'd probably get beat up, but maybe I don't. And you know, so I, I'm doing a uh, webinar this Tuesday. i probably have a few more. I'm doing a course launch in, next month in July on the 16th. Is it going to go well? I have no idea. I hope so. But if it does, fantastic, I've got a path. What if it crashes and burns? Well, then don't do it that way again. (laughs) And and I've learned a lot of lessons, figured some things out, moved forward before. Mm -hmm. Because we we know in business in general that the average decamillionaire, the, the average person who makes it big in business, went bankrupt either three or four times on average on their way there. The key is you don't fail the exact same way two times in a row. Ah,
0: that's a good key. So, and and if you do fail exactly the same way more than one time in a row, it's time to get a help from somebody to look at what you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there we go. Okay, So, so get another perspective. But I think you're right. I don't think we ever fail exactly the same way twice. So I am looking for something because you gave a gift and I found it. And I am super, super excited for this. This is something that blind spots. And when we started this conversation, I wasn't really sure we were gonna be going here, but you absolutely identified without even intending to, (laughs) some of my blind spots about some of my relationships, these concepts that this is a role, but it's not a role like I'm assigned it, It's just who I am in the story in relationship to this particular problem. Mm -hmm. The next problem, I could be in a different role. It's still a problem story. Mm -hmm. But this time, I was the one who got made worse for, so I'm the victim. Next time, I might be the one who makes it better. I could be the hero. It's still a problem story.
1: Problems happen. Who do you want to be in the story? Yep, and I always want to be the hero. And even if I am the victim, and think about every superhero story we've ever seen, there's always someone in trouble. Stuff is being made worse for them. And what does a hero do? You go save the victim. Wow. Okay, so if I'm the victim and I'm the hero, well, then what do I do? I swoop in and I save myself. From what? Not the person, from the problem. And how do you save someone from a problem is you solve the problem. <laughs> there we go now
0: if i had my way i'd have you and caesar in the same room because problem is one of those words that he was trying to get us to take out of our vocabulary and and reframe it um because that's his jam is is all about words your jam is all about what's the metaphor that's going to move your mind off a of stuck mm-hmm. what's that's what The metaphor that's going to move your mind and melt the frozen. I'm going to go with alliteration here for you. That's Uh (laughs) what I'm hearing from you. The martial arts metaphor that's going to move your mind and melt the frozen. There we go. We're going to get a lot of M's into this. (laughs) Why? Because it's fun to do this with Mm -hmm. you. Cool. All right. So what do people need to know about your gift for them? Because I want to make sure that you can explain it while we have time.
1: Okay, well, here's the, the short version of the leader and the blind spot. If you have influence with other people, mm-hmm. you are a leader. Now, if you are in charge, you have a leadership responsibility. Okay. If you are not in charge, but you have influence, you have a leadership position. And you know, part of what I say from my point of view, everyone's a leader. When I have one of my four-year-old kids from my karate class come up and say, Can we do two hand strikes on you? They are exerting leadership. They have made a decision and they're trying to create an outcome. And whenever I say yes, and I have a habit with the kids, I'll say yes unless there's a reason I have to say no, because I am cultivating the leader in them. Mm -hmm. So my view is we're all leaders. But if you have the responsibility of leadership, if you're a parent, if you're a manager, if you're a supervisor, absolutely responsibility level. And then blind spot is the things we don't see. And so in leader blind spot, when you're leading people, there is a key blind spot that we all have that manifests differently that we tend to not realize as the blind spot. Now, I'm not going to summarize a 10 page report in two minutes.
0: There we go. But
1: if, if you jump into the report and you, you see what it's talking about, you'll probably have a, Oh, Yeah, I do that. I guess I never thought about that as a blind spot. I thought about that as somebody else's problem. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Okay, there we go. Blind spots disguise themselves as somebody else's
1: problem. Very often, yes. And I'll tell you, the biggest problem with blind spots for myself, and this is generally true, is a blind spot robs you of your power. You have the power, but you're blind to it. You can't see it. And once you realize you have this blind spot and can see it in action, when someone's going on, you go, I know what's going on. That's that blind spot again. And you may, not, you may not see the car when it's there, but when you hear a horn honking that's invisible, you, you know there's a car in the blind spot, right? Yeah. Same thing in life. You may not see it as you begin in motion, but there's certain telltale signs, and as soon as you realize that's going on, you go, ah, I know what that is. That's that blind spot again. I can Now I can catch it, and now I can do something about it before I have a car crash. When you know you have a blind spot, you can look
0: around it. Instead of trusting mm-hmm. your mirror, you can look over your shoulder. So knowing that you have a blind spot is a very useful thing. So thank you for giving something so useful to everyone on the call, Scott. I just am super excited and delighted that you were able to join me tonight.
1: And I am thrilled that I've been here and I hope that our conversation uh, has some help And I'm I'm sure even if we had a discussion about words and vocabulary that we would come to an agreement because I'm very specific in my definitions.
0: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh, yeah, you are very specific um, with your definitions. And so let's just play with definitions. I'm gonna be specific with mine. We have at the maximum five minutes. So I have a question. All right. What do you wish I had asked you
1: Ah, well, since I am here to serve, what I'm glad you asked me is anything and everything that you would like to know. What I will like to add in the last five minutes, asked or not, um, definition of problem and uh, challenge. To me, the definition of a problem means something bad will happen if I don't solve it. Ah. The definition of a challenge is something good will happen if I overcome it. And sometimes something can be both a problem and a challenge where I have to do something or a bad thing happens. Mm -hmm. But part of what I try to build into leadership and building an Ohana, when you can manage all of the problems and when you build an Ohana culture, Oasis, Harmony, Assertiveness, Nobility, and Aloha, and that's built into your team culture, that pre-solves about half of the problems by itself on autopilot. And then the other half you can solve very easily and smoothly. And then what that does is it shifts all of your available energy from putting out fires to choosing the challenges that will best serve you and to go pick the things to move you forward in the most powerful, meaningful ways in your life. And that's part of what I'm after, teaching people the Ohana way and how to have these Ohana conversations and how to to embed the culture of connection into the DNA of their companies, of their groups, of their, their client communities.
0: You know, that is so beautiful. I loved that. All right, so we're gonna have a whole bunch of stuff coming up. I am absolutely certain that there are gonna be people Who are going to say, oh my goodness, that was an interesting definition between challenge and problem. And so my challenge, which is going to have a really good result when I get it solved here, is that I'm taking all of the links that I put in here for you all, and I'm going to grab them all and put them into one post, and I've almost got it done. And the problem is that I might run out of time. Done. Oh no! I sent it to Katie. I meant to send it to everybody. <laughs> oh, here we go. Now it was close. Cut and paste. Cut and paste. Here we go. Cut and paste, and change the setting, and click here, click there, paste it in, and there they are. Okay. Boom. So if you all don't know this, you can save the chat. You can go down to the bottom right, click on those three little dots, and just hit save, and then it's going to save all those links for you, or they're hyperlinked. You can have them. So, Scott, amazing conversation. Thank you very much for your gift and the gift of your time, your presence, and your perspective.
1: Well, it has been a joy to be here, Jackie. And you know I love you and I adore you. And I'm glad that I had the opportunity to contribute to what you're doing here.
0: (sighs) We're making it a great day, Scott. And together, we're going to make Suicide a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about that perspective. So everyone, enjoy the links. Scott, enjoy your journey.
1: Thank you very much. And Jackie, as I wrap up whenever I'm online, aloha! (laughs)